Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I don't know what you experience when the presence of the Lord is just filling the place where we're worshiping together. Today just felt like it was like water kind of rising as we just stayed in that place of being open to what he was saying to us. And I love that truth that our spirit needs to be the supreme voice in our lives. For most of us, our soul and sometimes the flesh, if we're honest, you know, our appetites and our feelings, for the most part, they kind of dictate so much of what we choose to shop for, choose to eat, the people we choose to hang out with. A lot of it's just based on how our soul feels about things or how our, our flesh, our natural body feels about things or is drawn towards things. And yet, as believers in Christ, we have an opportunity for the Holy Spirit who makes the spirit part of us alive and full of the truth, who he is, to begin to speak to those voices that are in our soul and in our flesh and begin to see order come to the chaos of what living by feelings creates. So if you look at the world, it seems kind of unraveled. It's really just primarily because folks have been told to live by their feelings. It's, it's unfortunate, but that's most of what you read in modern philosophy. It's just whatever feels kind of right to you, that's your truth, and then you just run with that until things get unraveled, and then you realize that that didn't work. Well, hopefully you realize that. And you come back to the simple reality that God has created us. He's made us body, soul, and spirit. And in the spirit part of us, he communicates. And he comes alive. And he leads us in a path that when we're, when we're on that path, I love the song that we sang where it says, his goodness is running after me. I love Psalm 23, 6. It says that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The presence of the Lord is coming with us where we go. I love the New Living Translation. It says something like, his presence will pursue me. Surely goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We don't just have to wait until we breathe our last breath here in the earth suit we were given. We can begin to live in his presence now by faith, by asking Holy Spirit to come and make us alive, make us his Put our lives under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Those are all spiritual decisions that we make as believers. But let me tell you, they address the issues of soul and flesh. But it takes that recognition. And I know we've been talking a lot lately about the word and the power of being in the word and getting in scripture and getting into the, the book, the good book. A lot of people call it the good book. The Holy Bible is the good book. And find out just how good our God is. Find out just how good his plans for you are. They're for good and not for evil. But we've got to remind ourselves by the Spirit and by His Word that fuels that Spirit that our soul and our flesh, they don't have the final authority over our lives. They don't have the last say. Our Spirit does if we choose to align ourselves by faith and to be obedient to the leading of His voice. And so this morning I don't have my microphone on, and that's because I'm not sharing the primary message this morning. I just want to um, say a couple words quickly before we invite uh, someone who's going to, I would say a guest speaker, but he's not a guest. He's part of the core of this family, and um, he's not had an opportunity to share with the whole body yet. But I just want to encourage you to open your spiritual ears. Ask God to help you to hear what he's saying to you by the Spirit. This man is full of the Holy Spirit. He's obedient to the Holy Spirit, and he's humble about it. And that's a very rare combination to find. It's very rare. Did you hear what I said? To be... Being used by the Spirit, to be full of the Spirit, 
and your life exudes that, and we can witness it, and yet you're humble about it. Um, that's something that's deeply challenging to me, and it's deeply, there's a deep connection I, I feel in my spirit for this brother, and I just pray that as he comes to share the word this morning, just know it's, I wouldn't say I pride for it in terms of leveraging to get him to do it, but because he's obedient and everything I've ever asked him to do, he said, didn't want to hear that, but I'll do it, yes, because God asks us to just say yes when he asks us to do things. That's how simple this walk is. If you're led by the Spirit, you're, you're his. And that's how easy it is. You can say no or yes, he gives you that. That's called your free will. That's your option. And uh, to see someone who has said yes over and over and over and with just a slight delay is now uh, agreed to, this is the beauty of it. He's cautious because he understands the power of God's word. Many of us don't. I think I don't fully yet. I wouldn't say that I just believe that everything I say from Scripture, I just know that it's going to happen. I still, there's faith needing to grow, and the same for him. He's not, I'm not trying to build him up too far now. But I want you to hear that simple reality. There is an obedience in his heart, and because of that, God will use him, and has been using him, and it's amazing that his humility has allowed it to be kind of under radar for quite a while, but the ministries that he serves with, they minister to thousands and thousands of men around the country, probably even around the world. Um, and you'd never know it because it's not, there's not a slide for it. It's not talked about. It's just happening. God's just using him in powerful ways. And he doesn't want it to be more than that. But if I don't say it, then nobody else will. And he certainly won't. But he is anointed. God has planned his life. And I was just chatting with him before service, remembering how when his father was baptized up here was myself and uh, if you've met Jared Dorsch, Jared and Charlene Rise Nations, they've been sharing with us quite a bit over the past year. Uh, Jared and I were in the tank doing baptisms and Jay's father, Gilly, came and said, I just need to need to do this. And he sent some stuff down the creek that he shouldn't have had in his pocket after he got baptized and he realized, you know what, I'm done with that lifestyle, I'm done with compromise. And, uh, you know, he had some addictive issues and he just got baptized, said enough is enough, and his life got so set on fire by the Holy Spirit that um, a son, an older son, was the oldest son was watching that transformation, and it had an impact, and it wasn't that, that many years later that he found himself in the same tank behind us here, and it's interesting because this morning, now Jared, who was with me in the tank, is now sharing over at the church where uh, Pastor Don Mapes and Gilly minister there and pour their hearts out for the community and they're building an amazing work over there beautiful ministry where god is using them to touch people's lives and to see lives transformed by the same holy spirit that brought them into the kingdom brought them into a place of knowing that god's goodness and mercy is going to follow them and their family and their family their children and their grandchildren all the days of their life and um i just i'm honored I don't usually say this much stuff, but I just, I feel like this is a special moment if you'll open your heart for it, because not everything that scripture tells us is always fun to read. Some of the, some of the stuff is challenging to our flesh and our soul, but your spirit wants to hear it. The spirit part, the eternal part of you wants to hear truth, wants to hear what's really going on, what's for real, what's veneer, what's fake, what's, what's, the, what's the legit stuff I can base my life upon. And um, that's what this young man has given his life to. That's what his wife has given her life to. That's what their family has given their whole lives to, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it's not a guest speaker who's about to come up here. It's someone who's a deep, uh, committed member of this house uh, to, the, to, the, to the 
pastoral team here. They're in relationship with us. They love us, and we love them. And uh, it's an honor and a blessing to have Jay Williams come on up this morning and bring us the word of the Lord. Good morning. Josh uh, got me all choked up before I got up here. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I appreciate that, and uh, I'm glad you see those things in me. Ish, thanks for putting the podium up here. I told him, he asked me where I wanted it, down there or up here. Up here is probably where I got to be so you can see me. I'm not as tall as Josh. Uh, <laughs> He's, he's right. Um, I don't like attention. I don't like to be the center of attention. Uh, I'm a lot more comfortable in camouflage, <laughs> whether that be a hoodie and some jeans in the back, you know, or today, church camo. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you won't see me so well if I, if I dress like everyone else, right? But, so, uh, but I, I am nervous, you know, and I, I, I don't want to say I didn't want to be here, you know, but there's, there's a part of me that doesn't want to be up here. You know, I am trembling. You know, I am concern, you know, <laughs> um, and I, I think that that's a natural part of it. I'm not going to end up staying up here. <laughs> I tried, but so um, there are a lot of people that I know that um, I have had the, uh, I've been fortunate to minister to that work with me in prison. I'm, I'm a correction officer. I've been there for, in state prison, maximum security for 16 years, and uh, I get the opportunity to Minister, there's one of my correction officer friends there, <laughs> who came to Christ right after me. So, um, God, you know, God's at work. Like Josh said, father, son, family, friends. You know, he's there's a there's a chain, that, and, and every link goes all the way back to Christ. You know, and he started it all. He's gonna he's gonna continue to do it all, and uh, I get to watch it. So, um, what I'm what I'm kind of working up to here is I have some friends also that are hunters and they're out in duck blinds right now tuning in to this watching live, so um, I just wanted to say hello to them. I wish you were here, <laughs> uh, but they know what I'm about, and uh, I affectionately call them my heathen friends. <laughs> uh, correction officer humor, but um, <clears throat> so I'm going to talk to everyone as a whole, but I'm going to also talk to individual groups that are in this building that are, you know, uh, online that are in a duck blind right now, you know, fishing maybe. <laughs> um, but I do want to start uh, with a quick prayer, even though Elaine and Josh covered, you know, a lot of that. This is more for me than it is for you. This is more of a restraint for me than it is for you. Um, I write a lot, and uh, like for some reason, like the Apostle Paul uh, my letters can get weighty, you know, and in my mind, I'm going to get up in front of people, and I'm going to be that same way, and uh, it hasn't been that way. It hasn't been that way in front of a group very often, but uh, this is not the first time I've spoken. I've been uh, at in some of the uh, Wednesday night groups. Uh, Josh actually sent me to TLC for a year where I preached every Friday, uh, so this is about 50 for me. <laughs> But um, <clears throat> I haven't heard anybody yet that I know of, so, but for me, for me, if everybody would just pray with me. Father, I know that you've given this, given us this armor as your children, right? You told us to put on the full armor of God, and with that armor comes a sword, 
the only offensive weapon that a Christian has in this, in this walk with you. And Lord, you know that for some reason I value that sword and I love swinging that sword <laughs> so much. But I need that sword not only to be sharp, but to be fire because I want it to cut, but I also need it to cauterize. I don't want to hurt anyone, but I don't want to leave them unscarred. They have to know that something happened. So please restrain me as much as you need me restrained. But let me say whatever needs to be said. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> so I was pretty dead. <laughs> I mean, we're all dead before Christ, but I was, I was pretty dead and numb before I came to Christ. I did not cry. There was no such thing as tears. <clears throat> so I'm very thankful for the ones that I get <laughs> now. And I get them more often than I ever did before. <laughs> um, you know, he says we'll have rivers of living water, and I make the joke that they often come from my face. <laughs> and uh, I'm grateful for that, though, you know, because there was a time in my life when tears meant weakness, and I didn't want it. If I got upset, I get angry. And if you were upset, I'd call you weak. I didn't want to be around you. You would upset me. <laughs> Apparently, this is going to be a good message. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I just want to tell you a little bit about my story. Um, <clears throat> actually, let me lead up to this. God is good. He, um, I'm going to wander everywhere. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to wander around. But, um, He's never had me do anything that he hasn't led me to. Um, and, and if my eyes are open and I pay attention, I'll see him leading me to it. Now, I didn't know in the beginning, uh, which is the case with me coming to Christ. Um, my wife and I were about to have our daughter, Riley, who's awesome, loves God so much. And uh, I love her so much. But we were about to have her, and we were having a conversation. We said, I want, you know, we want to raise our kids to know right from wrong. And we said, well, where can they find that? We, we should probably go to church. You know, church is where they knew right from wrong. I was raised up. My mother took us to church as long as I can remember until I was about 12. You know, it was like an extra day school for me. <laughs> I didn't know I was learning things, but I was, you know. And I left from 12 to 36. And uh, set the world on fire while I was gone from those times, like a lot of us did. Uh, so anyway, um, we decided that we want to come to this place for morality, right? Because church, to, to us at that time, what church was, in a way, church was God. Right? You went to church, you got to God, right? That's what we thought. Uh, we also knew that church was a place of morality. We know that what was being taught there was right, you know? Ironically, it took a child to bring us there. <laughs> we knew that, that was what was going on here was a right, but we didn't want to be a part of that for some reason, right? So there's something weird in that. <laughs> but um, so anyway, uh, I came here to do that, and in the midst of it all, sitting in the back row, uh, I was making fun of everybody. God knows I'm sorry. <laughs> So I'm sitting in the back row making fun of everybody every week, torturing my parents because they 
been trying to get me to come here for a long time. And I'd be like, man, those people, they're crazy, right? It's like a crazy, it's like a circus in there. I'm like, you know, like, like I think it's a cult, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, mom, you know, one hand is fine, but two hands is just too much, you know. I'm like, I'm finding videos online of people throwing these imaginary fireballs and crowds falling over. And I'm just like making all these jokes. And, <laughs> but I kept coming back for the show. You know, no matter what, we kept coming back, whether it was just for to be entertained or whatever. And uh, one day, uh, my father went up front to get prayer. And I watched the man pray for him, and he fell down. I was angry. When I, when I saw that happen, I was furious. And that... Probably was a weird thing to, to be, right? And looking back on it now, I know what it was. But at the time, I was angry. And uh, I'm like white knuckle in the chair in front of me, way in the back, you know. And uh, out loud from my mouth came, oh, no. <laughs> and my wife looks at me, and she's like, what's wrong? I was like, you don't get it. It's like, I'm making fun of these people. And now, no matter what you say about that man, no matter what I think about these people, he doesn't lie. And I know that. So God kind of painted me in a corner, right? He said, I know when he comes back here and he tells me what happened, that it's true. And I don't have a choice but to believe that. So, like I said, God painted me into a corner on that one. <laughs> Thankfully, you know, like I said, he led me. And I didn't see it at the time, but he was leading me. He came back. I'm like, what was that all about? He's like, what was what all about? I said, I saw you fall on the ground, Dad. <laughs> He's like, well, someone caught me. I'm like, nobody caught you, dude. I felt the vibration on the floor from back here. And he's like, well, Jay, and this is my dad. You have to know him. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know Gilly. You know Gilly, right? So I was left to deal with that, you know. And uh, time went on. We kept coming back for the show. And uh, one day... A man was up front, and my mind was all over the place, a lot, probably like a lot of you guys, hopefully not today, but, you know, I'm daydreaming, you know, uh, you might say some triggered a thought, I'm out in left field somewhere, I might be checking Facebook or whatever it was at that time, uh, you know, whatever, text message, and in the midst of all that, there would be times where my mind would come into focus, someone would say something that would bring me up, you know, and, and uh, so Pastor Rich was up here, and uh, I heard him say, is there anyone in the room who feels like they could know Christ better than they do? And if you are, just raise your hand. And I, funny I, that I actually did it. I was like, no, I don't know him. You know, I could know him better. I'm like, raise my hand. He's like, all right, you know, thanks. So, okay. Service goes on. And at the end, he calls, he goes, all the people that raised their hand earlier, I'd like you to come up front. And I'm like, uh-oh, I volunteered for something I didn't know I was getting into. Again, God leading, right? I'm not against it. Right, because I know what I'm here for. I just didn't know what I was going to find. And uh, so I walk up front. Now, you got to understand, at this time, I'm a correction officer for six years. I'm as nasty as I'm going to get in life. All right? I'm not a nice person. <laughs> Even though people comparatively might say I was nicer than some, right? I'm not a nice person. I don't have a lot of patience. You know, even sometimes you get that officer mentality like, hey, man, civilians, like, you almost treat them like inmates. Like, I say you do, 
you know, kind of a thing. And it ain't right. But that's where I was at. And I walk up to Rich, who um, was a tech teacher at a school I used to be a janitor at before I was a correction officer. And he always bought us pizza. And, and he'd try to talk to us about God. He'd pray with my dad, you know, in the morning, which my dad, you know, he would pray, but I don't think, you know, he wasn't where he should be. And uh, I just kind of overlooked Rich for a lot of many years. You know, I didn't, I didn't really think much of him. thought he was crazy. He sounded like the guy from Princess Bride, you know. <laughs> you know, now you're never going to get that out of your head. I love Rich dearly. I do. And so Rich is, is responsible for uh, a lot more than I knew. And I walk up here, and I look at Rich, and he looks at me, and I'm waiting, and he doesn't say anything. I go, well, are you going to say anything, or do you want me to say it? <laughs> That's the kind of person I was, right? He goes, no, I'm just waiting for the words. I said, okay, well, you, you let me know when you get them, right? <laughs> so I'm standing here, and, you know, he goes and, and talks with me, and I talk with him, and I go to walk back to my seat, and my brother was here, who is now saved, thank God. <laughs> took a long time, took another nine years, right? So, but uh, but uh, I walk back, and he's here because he didn't know what he's looking for either. And uh, he's like, so how was it? I'm like, how was what? He's like, you just got saved. I'm like, I did? Oh, I don't know. I didn't know. So, <laughs> again, this leading, right? I didn't know. But God knew, and I wasn't against it. He's not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. You know, he's, he's going to, he'll lead you through it. He'll give you options. So, uh, I'm going to watch the time. I don't want to get too carried away. But, um, so anyway, like Josh said, he's in the, he's in, one day goes on, I'm still here coming to the show, and, and, uh, in the meantime, God has been working with me. Now, you know, he, Pastor Richard asked who wants to get to know God better, and I raised my hand. And all of a sudden, when I started coming to these services on Sunday, I started hearing things. You know, I started understanding things. You know, there were things that connections made to my childhood, thanks to my mother who, you know, brought me to church that I would remember, you know, biblical things. And all of a sudden, I would be on this roller coaster of emotions. And, you know, there were days like, like Vaughn was here, and I'm like, I don't like this dude, you know. <laughs> right, he's too tough, and you know why I don't like him? Because he's the most like me, you know. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, ooh, Pastor Josh is preaching; he's my favorite. <laughs> and you were, you know, I'm kind of lying. So, <laughs> to me, it's a show, right? Like I said at the time, but I'm learning. I'm starting to hear things. I'm starting to tune in, right? And uh, one night, Vaughn's preaching, and I'm I come to uh, must have been a Wednesday service, and he's up here preaching and something, and I'm way in the back, and I'm like out in left field, like you know, normal, and all of a sudden, what he says something, and I go right to the front row. I mean, I didn't physically stand up, but I was in the front row, and every single word that he said, I was right there for, and I was like, wow, what, what is that, and I talked to him afterwards, I said, hey, uh, I don't know if this is something, but <laughs> you were talking, and all of a sudden, it was like some invisible curtain fell, and all of, I was right there with you, and now, if you know Vaughn, right, <laughs> he goes, yeah, that's what we go for, Every time we preach, that's what we go for. And he just kind of gone. <laughs> so I came to appreciate that man more and more every day, you know. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm getting to a place now where God's working with me, and I'm crying and laughing, and it's just this roller coaster. And hopefully some of you are going through that when you come here. Uh, and anyway, they're doing baptisms, and Josh and Jared are in the tank, and my father decides to go up and get baptized. And I'm in the back watching, and I'm like, man, these people are so happy, you know. <laughs> They're like genuinely happy, 
And I thought that I was happy. I had a good job. I was making money. I was supporting a family. I got a kid on the way, and I felt fine. And all of a sudden, the reality hit me that I have nothing in me like what they have in them, and I need it. So I was just shattered right there, and I'm in the back row of the church, and I go, okay, God, you win. And even as I said it, I was like, I didn't even know I was fighting. <laughs> right? Something new. Something was fighting God. And I told him, I said, look, I'm afraid of you. <laughs> I don't need you to crush me. I've seen it with these people around me, and I've seen them get devastated, and it's what brought them to you. You know, whether he did that, or, and I don't, God doesn't. I don't think he does that. I think he'll take a good thing, you know, make a good thing out of a bad thing. You know, there are bad things that are going to happen here no matter what but he can take advantage of those. I said, I don't want to be crushed. I said, if you'll have me, I will give you everything that I am for whatever you'll give me. And that was all. I didn't open my mouth. It was all in my head. You know, and he honored that because it was in my heart. You know? And uh, so I end up getting ready to come up and talk to Josh. And he's like, hey, listen. You know, some time had gone on. He goes, listen. You're going in the, in the tank. He goes, it's, it's a baptism of repentance. He goes, you know, you're going to be water baptized. Don't expect to get hit by lightning in the water, you know. And I'm like, yeah, 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 no problem. I'm like, I'm going to get struck by lightning in this water, you know. <laughs> it's, I'm going up there, and it's on, you know. So <laughs> I come up here. Josh asked me, do you have anything you want to say? And at that time, I'll be honest, it's, it's kind of like before I came up today. It's no different to this day. I don't know what I want to say. It's like it's all swirling in the air, and all of a sudden, it just comes down. Where before, it did not come down. <laughs> I said, no, Josh, I don't, I don't have anything to say. So I got in the water. He dunked me so fast, I was mad at him. I, was, <laughs> I, I went under, came up so fast, I don't even think I knew I was underwater. I'm like, man, that's not right. <laughs> so, you know, I dry off. I go sit down, and, you know, nothing happened. You know, or at least there was nothing I could perceive. Right? So I'm sitting down, and, and they're singing their songs, and I start to sing a little louder. You know, raise a hand, maybe two. But not because anything happened, but because I don't want them to know that I'm a fraud. Right? I'm like, let me just make sure I blend in with the fellows here. You know, so, so a couple of weeks later, something did happen. Christ showed up. I was sleeping, and... He just stepped into my dreams, <laughs> getting choked up. <laughs> but um, there were dreams of apostles being murdered and me following Christ and just everybody walking. I guess what I know now is walking the Christ walk, right, like carrying their cross. Uh, and just everybody was... Paul and Christ in Indiana, uh, walking through the woods, leading this group of people. And from behind us is this amber-colored light shining. But there's no source that I can see. <laughs> very real. But it's leading the way. Right? And I'm following it, and I'm, and I'm leading these people behind me. And we get them to where they need to go. And at the end of the dream was this big movie screen. And instead of saying the end, it said, I love it. Sorry, I'm not good with emotions. <laughs> I want to ugly cry. So, <laughs> like I will, though, <laughs> between me and the screen. But um, so anyway, the movie screen said, I love you. 
And I woke up, and in the room was that light, that amber-colored light. There was thankful for these moments. So, um, the light was in the room with me, and I felt as if I could lift right off the bed. It was like right here, and I didn't want to look at it, you know, because I didn't want it to go away. And I just said, I actually said to myself, wow, I bet I could speak in tongues right now if I want to. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I don't need to. I know what this is. And I just went back to sleep, and I was okay. And, you know, the dreams continued throughout the night. Um, about a week later, Something really shattered me. Uh, I'm laying in bed, and I am just crying. And this is just me. I'm laying in bed, and I'm crying. And my wife comes in, and she's like, are you okay? You have to realize the risk that my wife took just entering that situation and asking me if I was okay. Sorry. Because in the past, that would cause me to lash out at you. You know, I don't want you seeing me weak. I said, yeah, um, I am okay. I said, it's like somebody took something that I developed for 36 years of my life, everything that I've made myself to be and everything that I identify myself as, and they locked it behind some invisible door, and I can't open it. I can't feel me. Like, the person that I was, I don't know. It's not there. And I, I was so happy. I, I never want that door to open again. So. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, you have a part to play in this walk. Christ does these things. But I struggled, you know, as time went on. You know, it's 10 years later now. That first year was rough. You know, there was a, like, an invisible cloak of like dirty rags like a black robe that I could feel behind me all the time and it was just waiting for me to put it back on you know and I could see it in the spirit and I didn't know what seeing in the spirit was I'm just seeing this thing follow me around and I knew that it was mine if I wanted it you know but I didn't want it thank God I think most of us don't want it you know we're just captive to the way that we've been raised in this world to the things that we're uh, familiar with you know, we had a father. He raised us. You know, he was the prince of power of, of this world, the king of this world. You know, the, the Bible identifies him as Satan. You know, he set this place up after Adam turned it over to him, and we grew up learning to be like our father, right? We're growing up to look like our father, and we're not knowing that it's wrong, right? And it is so wrong, but there's no way to know it. Right? You know, blessed are the feet of those who carry the gospel, right? Because if you don't hear, how will you know? Right? And people told me for years, you know, and, and I was I heard them. And I considered myself a Christian, which is crazy, right? These people would come up to me. They want to pray for me. Like all through my life, looking back through time, there were times I sat around a table and someone said, you don't mean to tell me you really believe in all that God stuff. This is long before I came here. And I knew you better say yes. You know, something in my, inside me said, you better say yes right now. And I told him, yeah, I believe it, you know. And then they chastise you for it, you know. <laughs> At the same time, one of the guys that's sitting there who doesn't, he, he passed away um, recently. Uh, 
I'm making fun of him because he wants to touch me every time I go by and pray for him. Hey, brother, how you doing today? I'm like, whoa, get off me, man. I, I said, what are you, some kind of rabbi? You know? I said, you want to touch me all the time? You I said, you want to lay hands on me? I know what you're trying to do. You're the grabby. Right? I'm going to call you the grabby from now on. Don't grab me, grabby. You know? But so people were there, right? So this guy that's, you know, trying to help me is there. Rich was there. You know, people were there throughout this whole time. Maybe I just didn't see them, but they're there. Thank God, you know, that they were there. Because we don't know. You know, there are people in this room right now that are trying to figure it out. You know, what am I here for? Is this real? Now, let me tell you something. Christ is exactly what you thought he would be, right? Whether you're finding that here or not, he's exactly what you thought he would be. You will not be disappointed when you finally encounter him, right? Not coming to a church service. This is church services, right? This is for you. You know, this is, to, this is for the church, but each person has to be added to the church by Christ. It's him who said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Right? He didn't say churches. He didn't say, you know, uh, King's Fire and uh, River of Life and whatever, you know, whatever you want to call them, Praise Point. He didn't say, I'm going to put all these buildings around and say, you know, my churches. There's one. There's one. Now, Thank God for these things. God always used the physical embodiments to show you the eternal things, right? But he also said these are temporary. You've got to see the bigger picture, right? And, you know, this is, like I said, I'm going to talk to a couple different groups of people, and I'm running out of time, so we're going to start kicking it up. Uh, but um, I want to make sure there wasn't anything from that testimony I left out. No. So, um, couple different things I want to say to different people. And I'm getting off track. We're going to get back on, Bob. <laughs> um, from my testimony, I want you to know that it's important for you to understand that it's, it's not going to be Pastor Josh who gets you to Christ. You know, Pastor Josh is going to introduce Christ to you. He's going to talk about him. He's going to tell you what he knows about him. It's not going to be... Uh, evangelist uh, Kaluchi in the back, you know, or, or whatever title, you know, you have in the kingdom. <laughs> there are some powerful men and women of God in this building, and it is a privilege for me to speak in front of them. You know, there are people who truly belong to the Lord here, but they're not going to get you to Christ. Christ is going to get you to Christ, right? If he doesn't do this, right, if, if he doesn't do what he said he would do, and he does, right, if you don't get there, that's on you. That's your end of the bargain, Right? You're not doing what you're supposed to do. Because you will get, it's Curry Blake who took over John Lake's ministry, right? He said, you'll get Christ when you feel, he goes, when you need him, like you need a breath of oxygen when you're held underwater. He said, when you get to the point where you need him like that, that's when you're going to have him. Because you truly need him. That's when your heart is ready. And I agree with that. Because there are a lot of times uh, in the middle of the night I'd come home from bars and Maybe uh, someone left the TV on and there's like a televangelist you know, thing on and someone's asking if you need the Lord. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And I gave my life to Christ back then. Right. I said, yeah, I need a savior. I need a savior. And years went by. You know, maybe he was working with me. I don't know. But it wasn't until I said, I'll let you be Lord that he stepped in. Right? It was we all know we need help. Right. We all know to dial 911 when there's an emergency. But a lot of us are more than happy to let Christ be our Savior, but we are not ready to let him be Lord, you know, and 
I'm going to warn, uh, warn you if you're in this building and you're, you're thinking, I have a pretty good kingdom. What you set up, yeah, you get the riches, right? But at the same time, all the problems of the king and his kingdom belong to the king. So if you're the king over your kingdom, then be ready for all the problems too because they're yours to handle. You think you can do that alone? I'm not even going to say God bless you. <laughs> you're asking for trouble. You're asking for, and it's the best thing that can happen if you get smashed, believe me, right? But um, so anyway, what I want to show you from my testimony is Christ, you know, Christ came. Christ showed up. He came to dwell in me, right? He promises his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit as the down payment and proof of things to come. This is the only religion in the world that offers proof. It's the promised Holy Spirit who comes to live in you. And when you have him, there's no more question, right? There's no more I don't know, right? Because your life is going to change so drastically that you're going to look in the mirror and go, how did that I get here, right? So Christ came. He came to live in me like he said he would. He, he raised me, right? He taught me like he said he would, right? I was driving to work. For years after coming to Christ, listening to sermons and, you know, debates and everything, I had a hunger for God that you can't have without Christ. He gave me this holy hunger, I think David calls it, right? And so pursuing, pursuing, I, I said, Lord, I don't know if I have this Holy Spirit, but I tell you one thing. I read in your word that people turned your head when they had faith, and I will pursue you until you look at me. I already had them and had no idea. No education, right? The renewing of the mind, Ishmael is so important, right? You can, you can receive revelation to the extent at which your mind gets renewed. There have been times that God tells me, hey, you remember when you went in that water and you thought nothing happened? He goes, you really died. You just couldn't, you couldn't believe it, right? You weren't ready for it, right? Your carnal mind wouldn't let you believe it. I'm like, okay, Lord. I'm driving down the road. He just starts talking to me. He talks to me all the time, not in an audible voice, kind of like your conscience, but a really strong, you know, I know this isn't me kind of a thing. And uh, so anyway, he raised me. The Bible says to call no man rabbi, right? Call no man father, right? He was my teacher. He fathered me. He gave me his spirit. And these are all scriptures if you want. I printed out a little packet in the back for people who need the Bible verses to go with them. You know, this is all biblical stuff, you know. And uh, it's important for you to know that. Because I think, like Josh was asking me, could you please, you know, teach on the identity of the church, right? The true identity of the church as I see it. And I think a lot of us think that coming to church is the end-all be-all, right? That getting to the pastor is what we're, what we're here to do. You've got to get past your pastor, right? If, like they say, the horizontal relationship with the pastor, that's great. That's wonderful. But you need a vertical relationship, Right? And he needs to come down and live right here, you know, or else nothing happened at all. You have to become a living stone in the church. And we're going to talk about that after, hey, Bob. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Um, if I have a short video I want to show you to show just to prove that, hey, this isn't my idea. And these are old-time preachers that are, have had the same uh, things that God is showing me about the church. And uh, so this is Leonard Ravenhill. And one of my favorites, it's hard to get good quality audio of him, but uh, he's going to tell you a little bit about sanctuary.
Want me to keep talking? I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the jailhouse. <clears throat> I look a person in the eye and say, does Christ live in you? I was saved. In, I didn't ask you that. I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. A Chinese scholar was given a copy of the New Testament. He'd read the Quran, he'd read the Vedas and all the sacred books. The man said to him, did you read the New Testament through? He said, I did. What's the most amazing thing? He thought the man would say, the most amazing thing I read was that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. That he died and physically rose again from the dead. <clears throat> Instead of that, he said, the most awesome thing is in Philippians chapter 2, or Ephesians chapter 2. It is? Yes. It says, In time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. And then at the end of that same chapter, it says, You are the habitation of God. He said, Sir, does your God live inside of you? If so, that's the most awesome thing I've read. And I've read the Quran, I've read the Vedas, I've read all those other sacred books. But I never read where a man's God comes and makes the man the habitation of God. I preached in a big church a few years back. I said, Martha, dearie, those trees at the entrance of the church are wonderful. Never seen trees like that in my life. I know what the leaves are, but look at all the little white flowers, white buds. Well, I got to church uh, a bit late one night. Well, I mean, late for me. I usually like to get there half an hour before time. As I went in here with the boys, you know, while I draw this fleeting breath, <clears throat> and then sticking the cigarette stumps in the, in, the, in the trees outside. When I gave out my text, I said, Gentlemen, I'm going to preach this night. And I did on Romans 8. And while you're looking for it, get out your cigarettes and your matches. You can all smoke. <laughs> what? Deacons nudging each other. We knew this guy was a crank. <laughs> <clears throat> I said, Smoke. This building isn't the temple of God. This is the temple of God. You defile it till you go to the door of the church, defile it inside. Of course, if you start smoking, I'll tell you to stop. <clears throat> but I said, this is a temple. He doesn't dwell in temples made. He dwells in, in a habitation. What? Full of carnality? Full of jealousy? Full of pride? Full of anger? Full of secret lust? David says, restore unto me the joy. I'm in of pain. The bonds that you brought, this relationship that you severed, the only way that I can get my joy back is for God to come in full control. First, he has to cleanse the habitation in which he's going to live. So hopefully that was a nice way to convict some people, right? <laughs> like I said before, God uses the physical to show you the eternal, right? This is a sanctuary, right? Thank God for the physical example of the sanctuary. We know, I know people uh, that are not living the Christ life that come here weekly and they stop cursing while they're here, right? Because this is the house of God and I don't want to defile it. But what did he just say? You are, right? This is, a, this is an example. This is a great place. That's a gathering hall, a congregation, right? You can have fellowship with the saints here. <clears throat> but this is not the big picture, right? This is not the full picture. This is, this is helpful, Right? There's an altar here. 
right? You can come up to the altar and give your life to Christ. He'll honor that. But he says the altar is the altar of your heart. So you could give your life in the back as easy as you could give it in the front. In a duck blind, if anybody's watching, right, and wants to give their life to Christ right now, <laughs> just as easy as you could do it at an altar. <clears throat> so if anybody feels motivated and they have their Bible with them and they want to turn to Ephesians 2, we're going to look at verses 19 through 22. It's just to help you guys understand this. So. Here it says, so then you, and I'm, I'm using the English standard. It's a little different from the NKJV, which the New, New Kings, which is most people use. says, same idea. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So the household of God that's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. If you could just use your imagination, if there's, I'm sure there's some construction people in here. I know a couple. Right? In construction terms, cornerstone, right? You have to lay the cornerstone. It's the first stone, right? It's the one that everything else is going to depend on. Right? Masons. <laughs> Any masons in here. Upon that is the foundation that is the apostles and the prophets, right? And then later... You're going, so you're going to be part of that household. You're going to become a living stone of that structure. This is a spiritual structure that God is showing us, right? When you look at the true church or the church the way that I think you see it in its fullness, right, you're going to see more martyrs than you do mortar. It's built on the bodies, right, and the lives of people, whether you surrender your life and live out a Christ life or you actually you know, are put to death for this thing. That's what the church is built upon, and it's only built of living stones. You can come here and sit in this building your entire life and never have gone to church a single day when you die. And that's what you have to understand. Like, and a lot of people call it playing church. I don't want to call it that. I'll just say, look, it's good intentions, right? It's, it's what you know, but no more, right? We have to get past that. So you'll also look in the book of Peter, and it'll say, you as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. So here we have this, these great examples in the physical, but at the same time, God's saying, look, there's a temple being built here, right? There's, there's a church being built here of you, of Ishmael and Josh and David, each one of you, if you belong to the Lord, right? Romans 8 says, and I'll condense it, if you don't have my spirit, you don't belong to me. That is something that everybody really needs to grab a hold of. Very short verse, <laughs> easy to get a hold of. If you don't have my spirit, you don't belong to me. He is a tangible thing. When you have him, there's no denying it. You will know. There's not going to be any questioning. Right? So if you have that spirit, I'll make you a living stone right, in my church, and I'll build that church up. This physical, there's this, this non-physical structure that is so much bigger than just four walls. Right? So much bigger than just four walls. And I'm running out of time. <laughs> and we're lagging. Um, 
Real quick, yeah, there might be a part two. <laughs> um, the reason for that, I want you to know there's, there's so many reasons for it. Number one, it's your salvation. Number one, it's, it's your eternity. They call the American church the devil's lullaby for a reason. We will let you sit here and happy clappy, you know, like David says, happy clappy every day, of, every Sunday of your life, and you have gained yourself a new chair on your way to the same destination, and we'll let you burn in hell because we think if we get it wrong, and not here, I don't think, and I say church, I don't mean King's Fire because we have great leadership who understand this, or I wouldn't even be up here. <laughs> I might not be back now. So, but, but if you don't get that, then we're just letting people die. Right? There's a watchman thing in the Bible that says if I know something and I don't tell you, your blood is on my hands. Right? If I tell you and you don't do anything about it, that's your problem. Right? You're being told today. Like, understand this. There's more. This is bigger than, than what you think church is. I'm going to look at notes. I hate doing that. <laughs> now, the reason why we need to see it rightly is not just for your salvation. I said I would talk to different groups, right? Uh, it's also because you have family all over the place. I flew to Missouri. That's a God thing. He flew me out to Missouri to preach to a Baptist church. I never spoke in front of people in my life. I was on like seven different planes because God said go, right? And I don't like flying. Slept on a floor in an airport. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm out there, and I'm, I'm in Missouri, and there's a church on every corner, and they hate each other, right? What the Bible say, you'll know them by their love, right? The world will know us by our love for each other. I'm driving in the car to the place I'm supposed to preach at. My buddy is, is down the street preaching at another church. He, he set it up so that he could be there to see me talk. Drove seven hours, I think, or maybe nine. So he said, I'll, I'll preach down the street. I know a guy down there, and then we'll come see you. So, all right, so I'm telling these guys, yeah, I want to go check out, you know, that place. My buddy's going to be there. And they're like, oh, we heard about that place. That's a Baptist church, right? And they're like, I'm like, what do you mean you heard about that place? They're like, oh, it's a Holy Ghost party every Sunday. And I'm like, well, if the Holy Ghost is throwing a party, I'd like to be there, right? <laughs> right? Third person to the Trinity, you know, you guys are missing out on something here. And and so anyway, I spoke there and ended up, you know, by the time we were done, they said, you know what, maybe we'll start checking out some of these other places. But the point is, you have a bigger family than what you know, right? And, and we can't, and we're not against each other, we're for each other. And we need to understand it. We need to have love for one another. Otherwise, this is a joke, right? I know a lot of you. I don't love all of you. I don't know you to love you. We need to fix that, you know, and only God's going to do that. But uh, I'll tell you a quick story, and I'm trying to move fast. Uh, I know an evangelist, a really, really close to me evangelist, kind of over-the-top, almost overbearing evangelist. Right? This guy comes to the Lord after sitting in a building like this for a year, finally wakes up, really encounters Christ. Boom, he's gone. I'm like, man, this guy's nuts. Right? <laughs> I'm in Christ at the time. Now I'm like, man, I, you're a lot to handle. Like, I don't think you're wrong, though. Like, I don't like it. You're invasive, but I think you're right. Don't stop, you know, so... <laughs> Uh, anyway, he's trying to run around town handing out food, and there's a pastor from another part of town that says, whoa, what are you doing here? This is our territory. Now, it's funny, right, but it's not. That pastor, and, you know, nothing against him, should have welcomed the help because from my point of view, if you know anybody that's living in Christ, you are burning the candle at both ends. Right? You should want help, right? Bring in the troops, but somehow that's not how this is happening. We got a problem. So you need to know that because situations like that should not happen. And the wrong, like the wrong understanding could, uh, creates division. And I do want to hit on something quick. If you guys want to stay, I'm just going to keep going. Right? If you want to go, I don't take any 
I don't take any offense to it. You know, I'm going to be here anyway. My daughter's got to do dance, so haha. <laughs> so, but, but, so COVID should have been a wake-up call for us with the whole idea of what church is, right? The government shut your church houses down. That's why you got to know the difference between what a church is, what God calls a church, and what a church house is, because they took it, right? Now, some people may have ran under the radar and did some things, right? Because <laughs> we're not going to stop, but church is going to go on one way or another. But they said, okay, well, I got an idea. Let's shut down all the churches because they're spreading the disease and we'll open up the strip clubs and liquor stores. Like I said before, you know who's running this world? We think that's crazy. And we're like, how, how does that happen? You guys are crazy because you're not like it, right? If, if you're belonging to God, you're nothing like this, right? So you are going to have a problem with that. But my point being with COVID was, it was like the flock was struck and they ran all over the place and had no idea who to go to. What are we going to do now that the buildings are gone, right? Because the building was your God. And if you let these buildings be your God, you're going to be lost because they're going to shut them down again. Guaranteed. They're going to find a way. It might not be COVID, but it's going to be something. So, uh, should I say this? I know we were moving towards a big building. Right? And that was the big plan for a while. we got to get a mega church. You know, there's a lot of people here. We can't contain it. Is that the way to go? I don't know. You know, just something to consider. You know, uh, a lot of what you see in the Bible and, and, and a guy named Francis Chan, he's all about home groups. Josh was, was big on home groups for a while. And, and that this would be like almost like a home base. And uh, I honestly think as we move into these harder times that that's where we're going to be you look at china you know the underground church you know one of the biggest churches that exists in the world there's no building right there's nobody up there to identify themselves as pastor because they will die right they will kill you for that if you have a building they're going to shut it down they're going to cut it down so but yet that church is one of the biggest in the world right Again, it's kind of foolish to say that church, I'm, I get caught up in it. I'm so, you know, traditionalized into saying church, church, you know, as a building. But that's our family. We're all part of that one big thing. But somehow we don't make that connection. It's not because it's not being taught because over the weeks I hear it, you know. Unless some, no one's maybe got right up there and threw it in your face. But it's there in the message weekly. And so I would just say consider that, you know. Like uh, we have church on the hill, right? When we have church on the hill and we call it church, what changed? Right? The church moved. Right? Church is on the hill because the church is there. The living stones are there. When the living stones leave, it's just a hill. And that's easy to understand, right? Very easy. It's, oh, it's just a hill. That makes sense. All right, well, how about this? Did King's Fire Building cease to be a church when we were on the hill? Yes, it did. It's just a building, right? It houses us. It's a church house, right? The church comes to it. When the church is in it, it's a church house, right? Church is there. Church is happening, right? But when the building, when w the church leaves, it's just an empty building, right? I used to go to a bar that was called the Bridgewater Cafe or the West Bridge Street. It used to be a church. It's a bar now. Call it what you want, right? It's a building, and you got to understand it's got to be bigger than that, so... I know that's not always easy to handle. But <laughs> and I say, I'm not saying abandon it, because when you belong to God, you're going to want to come here. You know, you're going to need to come here. I need to come here. I want to worship God, 
Right? I would go him and give him, go here and give him what he deserves. Right? And, and I want that. And I want to be with the other saints, you know, however many of them are in here. Not all of us are. But, you know, please see that as an invitation. Don't see it as condemnation. It's okay. You know, you got an opportunity here, you know. Like I said, what I see as church and the living stones is different from what we've talked. But it's here, you know, and it's available to you. So use it. It's a resource, right? It's a beautiful thing. But you got to know what it is. You know, when you get it right, you're going to fight to come here. I'm here for you, right? Where before they were here for me, I'm here to help you. And I want that. Peter and the apostles, when the, when the new church formed, they were on, what, Solomon's portico? And they're like, hey, what time is it? You know, <laughs> we got to go up to the temple. And it wasn't to have church. It was to go pull people out and make them believers. You know, there is no time or place for church. It's all the time. It's every place that you go. And, and I'm fortunate to do that. Like I said, Mike, love you, man. Uh, you know, after I gave my life to Christ, he came. He said, what's going on with you? And Mike got a rough, but yo, brother, <laughs> what's going on with you? And I loved it when God took him because I was like, man, this whole building's going to see this. Because <laughs> you can't deny it. You can't deny it. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I really got off track. Um, I've spent so much time on this, <laughs> and I'm not even going to use it. Um, all right, let's see. Yeah, oh, that's like a, I will. Okay. <laughs> um, actually, did cover a lot. Let's do, if Bob, if I could tune you back in. Can we do the Paul Washer video? This is a short one, and you're going to love it or hate it, depending on where you're at. <laughs> it's always the case. Let me take it a little further. Let's imagine that I show up late and I run up here on the platform. And, and the, every, all the leaders are angry with me. They said, Brother Paul, don't you appreciate the fact you're giving the opportunity to speak here and you come late? And I said, Brothers, you have to forgive me. Well, why? Well, I, I was out here on the highway and I was driving and I had a flat tire and, and I got out to change the tire. And when I was changing the tire, the lug nut fell off. And I wasn't paying attention that I was on the highway and I ran out. And I grabbed the lug nut, and as soon as I picked it up in the middle of the highway, I stood up, and there was a 30-ton logging truck going 120 miles an hour, about 10 yards in front of me, and it ran me over, and that's why I'm late. Now, there would only be two logical... I know no one studies logic anymore, but there would only be two logical conclusions. One, I'm a liar. Or two, I'm a madman. You would say, Brother Paul, it's absolutely absurd. It is impossible, Brother Paul, to have an encounter with something as large as a logging truck and not be changed. And then my question would be to you, what is larger, a logging truck or God? How is it that so many people today profess to have had an encounter with Jesus Christ and yet they are not permanently changed? He makes it more plain than I do, <laughs> and it stops me from swinging that sword. But, <laughs> but that's the point of the whole thing. Things have to change, right? If there's no evidence, then there's no change, right? So hear this. Again, this, this doesn't happen without the Holy Spirit, but things have to stop. When I came to Christ, the very first day that I got water baptized, I had a revelation, and I didn't even know the Lord was talking to me. He said, 
Jesus comes to live inside of you, so everything you look at, he sees through your eyes. Right? Everything you subject your ears to, he's going to hear through your ears. And I went, wow, I have to stop looking at those things on the Internet. And I'm, I know there are kids up here, so I'm making it easy. I have to stop looking at those things on the Internet. I will not subject a holy God to something like that. And it stopped day one. That's the Holy Spirit because no man is going to just cold turkey, you know, the things that he loves in life. We're not. That stopped on day one, and everything that goes with it stopped on day one, and 10 years later, it's the same. I have nothing for that. I want nothing with that filth ever again, but it was, it was something for me. You know, something as simple as pirating software I and mean, music. That's stealing. Can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not telling you guys what to do. I can't. There's a holy God who lives inside of me, and if he's holy, then it makes sense that I crave holy things. I need holiness. I hate things that are not holy, and I don't mean people. I love people, but I hate the things that they're involved in. I really do, and sometimes I confuse that, <laughs> but it's, that, it's not you. It's not anyone in general. It's the things that you're in, and I hate that somebody has you stuck in them, and I don't want you to stay there. I talked to a correction officer at my job. I'll I won't call his name, but we worked with him a long time. And, and I would try to talk to him about the Lord when I first came to the Lord, and he'd be, you know, sleeping. We're not supposed to sleep on the job. <laughs> he'd, and I understood what was happening. It's interference, you know. And I'd tell him every time, boom, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus you know. And uh, one day he finally came to me because he said, look, I, I know what you're saying, man, but listen, I went to church. My father was one of the biggest, uh, you know, uh, benefactors of the Catholic church going, and we, he gave his 10% and everything. And then all of a sudden one day uh, this priest comes to the house, and he's looking for more money. And I said, uh, okay. He goes, so he comes in, he starts looking around the house, and he's like, you know, if you didn't buy that big TV, you could give more to the church. And I went, oh, checkmate. I knew right there what move the devil made. And, you know, nothing against the priest, but he was used to push this guy who was a devout believer, you know, in the Catholic faith and contributor and push him. And then the guy said, that's it. Get out of my house. He goes, I know you're a man of God, but you're not speaking for him now. Get out. And he never went to church again. And everybody in his family stopped going all the way down through generations. And that's what he told me. And later on, as I kept you know, trying to show him God really was. He says, listen, I know. He came to me separate. This is a whole different encounter. He just walks up to me and goes, listen, I know when you talk to me about God that I ignore you or I fall asleep. He said, but I want you to know something. I hear you. Don't ever stop. And I saw in the spirit that moment a hand reaching through prison bars. This is a guy who wanted this, but was stuck, and, and he needed to get out of there, you know, and there are so many of us who are in that, you know, you, in here you know, or maybe in here you know, but you're stuck, right, and, and you can have that chipped away, God will do that, but it's bigger than that, like, I don't curse, that's a big one, 10 years, right, maybe nine, because the first year was me learning not to curse, right, and Mike is great because he put a sign on the, on the, uh, in the kitchen because we work in the kitchen with the prisoners. And uh, he's, he put a sign up. Everybody who drops a, a curse word is going to put money in the bucket. Or what was it? it? It was a direct order, no cursing up here. I was, that was great. Nobody does this stuff like that. So, uh, so 
everything changed for me. Alcohol lost its flavor. I haven't drank in, it's been almost five years now. Now, you're going to come to this stuff on your own. I can't make you learn this stuff. It's just what God will make you crave. There was a guy named William Branham. He was mightily of the Lord. I mean, man, the stuff that he did, you got to look him up. He's a kid one day. He walks up to these, sees these two trees, and in the trees, one is blowing in the wind, but the other one's not. There's an angel sitting in the tree, and the angel speaks to him. He's a young man, a little boy. He goes, don't pollute yourself with cigarettes or drink because the Lord wants to do a mighty work in you, right? Hey, listen, whatever you believe about that, I want God to use me, I'll get it all out. If that, if that could even for one moment hinder the use of me by God, I don't want it. I don't want it. But that's up to you. You know, he, he talks to each one of us different. I would talk to you one more thing about Paul Washer, too. He does a, a really great story about a pig. He says, imagine if you would for a minute, a pig that's super hungry, he goes, and it's locked in a pen. And outside that pen, you have a bucket of slop. And this is his favorite thing in the world. Pigs love slop. You know, he can't, he's squealing with delight. He's, he can't wait to get it. He goes, you open up the fence, and that pig comes running out, sticks his head in that bucket, and buries it as far as he can. And he's just oinking and squealing, and he's so happy, wiggling his little pigtail. He goes, and, and if, he goes, imagine for a moment if you have the power to walk up to that pig and touch him and turn him into a man. He said, you know what's going to happen? He's going to rip his head out of that bucket no matter how much he liked it a second ago and start to vomit and feel like just horribly because there are certain things that he can no longer stomach, right? And that is exactly how it is when you're a Christian. I hate things that I used to love. I detest them. And that's what you're going to end up doing too, not because you have a structure for it, not because somebody guilts you into it, not because you do... Uh, what are those things, sacraments or anything like that? It's going to be a Holy Spirit that comes to live into you because that's what Christ said how it works. We're only 10 minutes over. Let me get like 10 more. <laughs> I can finish this thing today. I thank you. Thank you for staying. Again, if you got to go, you can go. There's also two other guys at my job, and I'm going to say their names because if they're watching, they need to hear this. I'll call one Steve. You know Steve, my big buddy, and this other name, this other guy's name, his last name is Santiago. I won't say his first name. Two of the biggest, strongest, meanest dudes in the jail. Right? If they have a problem, this is the guys you're going to call to be on the team to handle it. Powerful guys. Held them both in my arms, crying. Can you imagine? Now these are guys like Josh's side, but wider. And here I am. It's okay, man. It's all right. And they're just crying all over me. Right. And they have no power to fix their lives. They're going through things that are destroying them, and they're completely powerless, and each one of them calls himself a believer. That's not the God I know. That's not the Holy Spirit. You have an overcoming spirit. He's, he's the same spirit that overcame the world. You're telling me you can't get over this stuff? He, you can. You can be made strong. I was an angry person. I broke stuff, right? Like I said, my wife took a chance coming into that room and asking me if I was okay. Because if something wasn't working, I broke it, right? Oh, you don't want to work? Smash, right? If that didn't work, let me break my hand off of something. That's how I was. And I'm nothing like that anymore. And it shocks me. I remember the first day that happened. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Shocking to you is how it has to be. We kind of covered everything out of order. <laughs> All right. Oh, I do want to say, Christ, 
gave you an example of what you need to do. The flesh is your enemy. We're supposed to be mortifying the desires of the flesh daily. Right? He, he allowed himself to be nailed to a cross. He allowed his flesh to be nailed to a cross so that you could see what you have to do. Your enemy is you. Your enemy is your flesh. Right? The mountain that needs to be moved is you. You have to fight. You have a part to play in this. It's not, it's the great co-mission. That means two, co-mission. You got a part to play in this, but you have to play that part, right? Mortify the flesh. When you say, I don't want to go to church, you know, even if it's not my definition of, you know, <laughs> go, force yourself to go. I don't want to read the Bible. Now's the perfect time to read the Bible because God's going to show me something he probably wouldn't even have shown me before, right? And I've seen that, right? There have been many times where I'm like, wow, I'm glad I read it because I just saw something I never would have seen, you know. Fight. You're in a war. Fight. You're not in peacetime, right? We don't exist in peacetime. This is a war. Christianity has lived on an incline, right? Many people say that. If you're not moving forward, you're sliding back. Be active in Christ, you know. Have the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Read the Bible, right? I wrote a thing. I do a lot of writing, <laughs> It was called the ping, right? So when I first came, when I was a hunter, I would shoot everything. I want, I was out there for ducks, but I'm killing everything, right? You know, not in Christ and not illegal, whatever was in season, even though I didn't want it. A little bird called a snipe would fly by, bang, you know, ha, got him, just to see if I could hit him, right? Crow, bang, good practice, you know, throw the bodies in the weeds or whatever, and raccoons got to eat too, right? And then it hit me one day, like, it's a shooting gallery, you with, and this is why God says put on the full armor of God. You with most of the armor of God or everything but the sword have no offensive weapon. You are nothing more than a shooting gallery. One of those things that I shoot with my gun and watch it spin, and I go, oh, listen to that. Ping, ping. That sounds so good. Look at it spin around. That's you Christians. The devil's like, oh, watch this. He's got armor on, but he has no sword. Ping, and you're like, oh, that's what you're going to do your whole life. If you don't have the sword of the Spirit, if you don't have the Word of God, you're just, a, you're just a little shooting gallery tool, you know, and he's having a good old time watching you spin around and make that noise. <clears throat> you got to get that. You don't have it. You got to fight for it. Fight yourself. Fight yourself. All right, now this last part. <laughs> this is to the leadership. So everyone else can leave now. But, um... Listen, these things that I said today, I hope that they're inviting. I hope that they're trying to uh, reinforce what you already are. If they're not reinforcing what you already are and you feel a little bit of tension or pressure, it's an invitation to move further. Right? God wants you to move into these things. Same thing for the leadership. And I don't even feel qualified to say this, but i got to say it because God told me to say it, so it is what it is. <laughs> like Josh said, yes, Lord, I'll do it, even though I don't want to. I was having a discussion about kind of what I was going to preach on today with some really close friends of mine, and one of them in no uncertain terms told me, you're wrong. He might be right. I won't know. Maybe a couple of years when I get more mature in Christ, I'll go, yeah, I was wrong. But for now, this is the message. So the next day, I'm sitting at the sink, and I'm just washing dishes, and all of a sudden, I hear the Bible verse, beware the Pharisees' leaven. I'm like, did I do something wrong, Lord? <laughs> he said, who was I talking to? I said, the apostles. He goes, and why would I say that if it wasn't possible? There were a group of men called the Pharisees that put themselves in Christ's place. 
They sat on his, you know, attempted to sit in his authority on his throne and do with the people what they wanted to do. And Christ warned the apostles who were about to become the foundation of the church, right? What we would call leaders, which in the world of God, you know, you get underneath people and lift them up, right? They were about to become the foundation, the, the leadership of the church. And he said, watch out. Don't do what they did. Why would he tell them if it wasn't possible? So what I hear in that should be a, not just an encouragement, but almost a release to the leadership here. Christ sits on that throne. Christ comes to live in them. God says he'll father them. He'll teach them. There's no such thing. Let me stop that. I don't want to do that one. If a sheep strays, the shepherd will go get it. If they belong to him. If they don't belong to him, you might be bringing a wolf back into the sheep pen. Right? Don't chase people. Right? Have faith that Christ will do what he said he will do. That's called faith. He sits on that seat. Remember that he sits on that seat and be set free by it. You know? Do your job. Right? We have the fivefold ministry. Pastors, pastor, evangelist, evangelize. I'm not telling you not to do that. But keep in mind and be and be set at peace by like Andy Elm says, you're at your best when you're working from a place of rest. So true. Be at peace with knowing that God will do what he says he's going to do. Do your job, but have faith, right? And let him do that. Don't sit in his throne. Not that, again, I'll disclaimer is that King's Fire is very good about that. Josh has a very good open door policy. David says, I hold people very loosely. Good. Because I belong to God. And for those who belong to God, we're not running anywhere. Whether you see it in our lives or not, we're doing things because I love him. And I will do for him no matter what, no matter where, and no matter who is around. So just please be at peace with that. So I guess I actually wrote something. <laughs> full circle. I was at Bob's house. He said, I see you doing this full circle. I was like, it's funny, Bob, because I felt like I was supposed to draw a circle and figure this thing out. He says, and go full circle. So the full circle is this, right? I came to Christ in a church house, but it was Christ who made me a living stone of the church. And that's the way it has to be.